Welcome to In Plain Sight, a Cybercrime Magazine podcast series brought to you by Conceal. Conceal is the creator of Conceal Browse, a lightweight browser extension that converts any web browser into a secure, zero-trust browser providing protection against ransomware and credential theft attacks that bypass other security controls. To learn more, visit conceal.io. I'm Paul John Spaulding. Here with me today is Burton Kelso, a cybersecurity expert. Burton, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. I wanted to discuss with you the human element of security. According to the 2023 Verizon Data Breach Investigations Report, 74% of all breaches involve humans. Burton, this is astonishing. Please break this down for our listeners. Tell me any thoughts you have. This is crazy. It is crazy. And I sometimes make that projection up to 99% of all cyber attacks require human interaction. And I think we are seeing this because cyber criminals have figured out that with all of our tech devices, such as iPhones, computers, laptops, even e-readers, that the security is there. Most people, when they're on Wi-Fi, they're behind a firewall. So it makes it very difficult for a criminal to get into our devices. And another thing that people need to be concerned about, or not necessarily be concerned about, but be aware that cyber criminals with people being behind a firewall, then it almost is like the TV show Storage Wars, that a criminal may get an access to an IP address that's active, but if you get in just to steal data, it may be worthless. It may be grandma's computer, maybe a kid's computer that just doesn't have that much information on it. So it's easier for cyber criminals to create phishing schemes and cyber attacks that are designed towards corporations and maybe even small businesses that have critical data that cyber criminals are looking for. With that in mind, it's very important that you start to work on improving your human firewall, which means that you need to do a better job of creating passwords, also making sure that you're doing a good job of scrutinizing emails and text messages that come into your devices. Because in this day and age, especially with AI, it's going to be very tough to discern a phishing email versus a standard email. You know, it's just a situation that we all need to adapt to and lose that fear of, well, my device is going to get hacked. Well, no, cyber criminals are going to target you with social engineered hacks. So it's important for small businesses, individuals, and corporations to make sure that they are building up their human firewall and helping keep people safe. One of the biggest things I think about is just looking back to the recent past with the Yahoo hack, because that was... I believe it's the biggest hack in history in terms of numbers of exposed accounts. I, I could be wrong about that, but it was caused by a spear phishing attack and one mistaken click. I mean, Burton, you were just talking about how the human firewall mistaken clicks can lead to devastation, but what is your biggest concern when it comes to people clicking on links, opening emails? Is it that they infiltrate the whole organization and adversaries coming in? Is it they're getting access to certain data? Break that down for us. The biggest concern for me is just how easy it is to use a social engineering attack to target and infiltrate an organization. I think when the Yahoo hack occurred is when criminals were really ramping up using social engineered cyber attacks to attack corporations. My concern on the corporate level is that our personal information is being leaked out to the dark web. And it also is a concern, too, that it doesn't take much in order to get access to a corporation that's supposed to be securing our data. And it's very easy for criminals to get 
into those large networks. I mean, one of the things that we can look at in recent months is the MGM grant hack, which shows how far cyber criminals will go to get information. I mean, it's one of the few attacks that I've seen where criminals really did a deep dive into employees who worked at an organization to find out who the weakest link would be. Once that information was obtained, then it was easy to launch a social engineered attack coupled with AI to do voice cloning to get into MGM Grand's network. So it just shows that organizations need to do a much better job as far as training their staff to avoid social engineered attacks because if we don't, criminals are going to just continue these social engineered attacks. And of course, with AI, it's going to be harder to detect these cyber attacks. I also like to think about the idea of if you're secure at your company, you go to work Monday through Friday, nine to five, you might bring that home, but maybe not. Maybe when you're at home and if somebody's really targeting you, if you're a high level C-suite executive at a company, they might target your personal email. They might discover that email that you don't really use aside from emailing your friends and family. How do you advise people who are of that higher level, who do have a bigger profile, where an adversary might be specifically targeting them, but going outside of their quote unquote work communications to see if they can get in? Yeah, if you're at a high level of a corporation, you definitely need to keep a very low profile to prevent cyber criminals from attacking you. Now, you're starting to see this practice with large companies where they may list who the CEO is or who the top person is, but not list their email, allowing the website to be designed so that it goes to more of your day-to-day -day personnel. But if you are at a high level at any company or... Let's think about this, that you are an influencer, that you need to definitely make sure that you're taking extra steps to ensure that criminals aren't able to get your information. Because the challenge is, in this digital world, a lot of the information that we're putting is on social media. And it's almost a double-edged sword, because in one instance, you want to be able to market who you are, and the company wants to market who the leader is. But in another instance, the more information that you put out there, it's easy for criminals to put together the puzzle pieces in order to find information such as your personal email address or even your phone number. And worse off, they can target you in your home because of the rise of the people search websites that are sharing information for basically pennies on the dollar. So you know, it's just one of those things that you have to keep a low profile and understand that, yes, you may be the CEO of a rubber band company, may not sound attractive, but criminals really don't care what amounts of money they get from a cyber breach or the information they get, because the information they get can put together the pieces to lead to another major cyber attack. Burton, you've mentioned AI a bunch on this podcast, and I, I was purposely not going into it because I wanted to dedicate a whole question to it. With AI, how should we go about thinking about the future of protecting ourselves? And I'm really thinking about email communications or it could be chat apps, just these ways people engage over text because it used to be bad grammar and spelling were a key giveaway for some kind of phishing attack against you. But now that's kind of gone out the window. I mean, the free chat GPT 3.5, I think it is. 
it can spell and create structures of sentences in any language really, really well. And it's kind of scary how quick and easy that is to do. I'm not saying that ChatGPT is responsible or they're participating in anything, but I'm trying to think about how we need to adapt our strategies to counteract this. The answer to that question is, again, training within corporations and building up that personal firewall. Because with AI, the monster's already out of the bag. So how do you take <laughs> that emerging technology back and put it in the box? It's out there and it's easy for criminals to either use existing forms of AI, such as ChatGPT, 3.5, Google's Bard, and of course, Microsoft's Bing Chat or Copilot to put together that information. Now, even though those companies, Microsoft, Google, and OpenAI have put in stop gates to prevent people from putting in prompts such as, how do I create the perfect phishing email? Criminals have already evolved and start using tools like fraud GPT in order to specifically create the perfect phishing scheme. So it's not anymore up to the industry although they have to put some form to stop people from creating malicious content from AI. But it's in the education of ourselves that we need to understand that no longer are we going to be dealing with misspelled words in phishing attacks. We just have to do a better job on the private sector, corporate sector, and even in homes and with small businesses that we need to evolve with AI in order to outsmart the machine, so to speak, so that we can avoid these AI-sponsored attacks. Also, when we talk about AI, we have to talk about all generative AI. So not only ChatGPT, but you can create voice cloning with AI tools, as well as deepfakes. And criminals are going to use that technology in order to trick people to get important information. A voice cloning call, it's hard to detect, but there's certain things that you can do as a corporation to make sure that you're talking to the right people, perhaps creating a passphrase or some form to verify that it's the actual person and not a criminal. Same thing with deep fakes. You get a deep fake video asking for something, you've got to put security measures in place to ensure that criminals aren't going to be able to trick you with old school methods of just asking for information. It's a tricky situation because, like I said, the monster's out of the bag. We just have to make sure that we have our defenses in place so that we don't fall for AI-based cyber scams. I'm curious on a personal level, Burton, do you tell your friends and family, hey, watch out. I have a lot of media out there. You've been on numerous podcasts with us as well as others. You obviously do your own media. You have a social presence, and that's a lot of material to plug into a program should someone want to create an AI Burton voice or video. I know they're not always super convincing. It's very technology dependent, but I don't know if you just tell your friends and family, hey, watch out, something might be out there of me that's not real or someone might be calling you. I don't think that's unheard of, but I'd be curious what you think. Yeah, I think the problem that people that are at a higher level or even influencers think is that no criminal is going to attack me. But I mean, recently I've reached you know, 20,000 connections on LinkedIn. And definitely that would put me in the crosshairs of being part of a LinkedIn scam. Because if someone were to get a hold of my account, then obviously there's 20,000 people that could be scammed from a deep fake or voice cloning from me. But many of us 
suffer from imposter syndrome and you get into the mindset of, you know, I'm not that big, but we all need to think about, even if you are on a social media account with 50 individuals, if they came up to you in person, that would be overwhelming. 50 people saying, hey, I like you and uh, want to stay connected with you. But from the cybersecurity aspect, it is a numbers game. And I think we all fall victim to, well, I'm not going to be a victim because I don't have enough followers, but criminals don't care. So people like myself and other influencers and people in higher positions need to especially take steps in order to keep accounts secure. And that's the methods, at least with social media, that you are using two-step or two-factor authentication to protect your accounts. You're using passphrases instead of passwords to keep your account secure. And we also need to make sure that, you know, we're changing our passwords on a regular basis and monitoring when our information is leaked in a cyber breach. So it's a lot of steps. But again, it all begins with us and how we view cyber threats, which for most people, it needs to be top priority because it doesn't take much for someone to assume your identity in this digital AI world that we live in. I feel like when we're talking about phishing and spear phishing campaigns, there is a bit of a debate around employee education, which you brought up, versus technological solutions and maybe how those both can augment each other or how they play into each other. I mean, this is a podcast with Conceal. It's, you know, in plain sight. It's a series we've been doing for a while now. They have Conceal Browse. The idea is maybe that if someone does click on a link by mistake, Conceal can step in and act as a safeguard to help them not be subject to putting their information somewhere that it doesn't belong or correcting a link that isn't accurate. And you don't have to talk specifically about Conceal's product, Burton, but I'm just curious, what do you think the balance is between adding technologies to your organization to help you out versus just straight up training and education? I think it depends on how we are training our workforce, because I think in our world, we have some of the best products out there, like say Conceal or just other products that prevent criminals from seeing that we actually have a presence on the web. But I think companies fall victim to the bad dog scenario if a employee remote or in-house falls for a phishing scam. I think we're slapping people on the noses when they accidentally click on a link rather than encouraging people when they avoid a cyber scam. And I think another problem is, is how IT departments talk to end users and the mindset of a lot of IT individuals. IT individuals, some of them like dealing with people, but there are a lot that don't. And a lot that get frustrated when people don't understand the technical aspects of IT. And I think we have to remember, especially as IT professionals, that people aren't going to know what we know because the people that we work for have other jobs that they need to be concerned with. Our job as cybersecurity professionals is to get into the mindset of we're here to help and we're here to protect. We're not here to down people if they make a common mistake because I know there are cybersecurity individuals out there that have almost falling for a variety of the phishing schemes out there. But I think our jobs need to be more of encouragement and understanding that these cyber attacks are hard to detect. And if you do detect it, let's reward you for avoiding that. Maybe at a company, you make somebody 
Cybersecurity Employee of the Month, give out incentives for people who avoid cyber attacks, and overall, you help your workforce become team players as far as helping thwart the cyber attacks, making it so that they feel part of the team to keep the company secure and not just another burden where you have your workforce saying, well, that's just not my job to protect. It has to be explained clearly so that end users can understand that you're all a part of this battle to keep our company safe from cyber criminals. Humans being a part of security for any organizations, obviously an expansive topic. But before we go, Burton, I was wondering if you had any final thoughts, just anything else you wanted to share with our audience. Well, again, when it comes to cybercrime, we definitely need to start thinking about how do we educate humans and solve the human problem of cybercrime. It's a tough battle because people have different mindsets when it comes to cybersecurity. I mean, you still see people on Facebook yelling that their account has been hacked rather than letting people know that, hey, there's a duplicate account out there and you just need to be aware that any friend requests that come through aren't going to be from me. Also, when it comes to emails and other forms of electronic communication, that rather than you always having to be the one to respond to a voicemail or a phone call, that sometimes you've got to take a step back. If you don't recognize the number, don't answer it. Same thing with the text message. You don't have to return that text. But, you know, our mindset is the biggest thing. And it's what's really killing us as far as cybercrime is concerned. If we look at and change how people view cybercrime, then I think you'll see less social engineered attacks against corporations and individuals. And of course, it'll make our world safer when we know how to view the communication that's coming into our devices. Burton, as always, I love when you come on the podcast, a lot of knowledge that you always dish out. So thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. In Plain Sight is a Cybercrime Magazine podcast series sponsored by Conceal, the creator of Conceal Browse, a lightweight browser extension that converts any web browser into a secure, zero-trust browser, providing protection against ransomware and credential theft attacks that bypass other security controls. To learn more, visit conceal.io.